Hello, it is Thursday, January 28th. I am Trent Rinesmith, and this is another edition of the Almost Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. I've been missing a couple. Um, got some things going on here, school, some other life things that um, are taken away, but still going to try and do it every day. So, some things to go over today, and let's start with Justin Gaethje. So Gaethje sounded kind of perturbed that there's talk of Conor McGregor possibly getting a rematch with, well, the trilogy fight with Dustin Poirier and that being for the vacant title. And understandably, Gaethje, who is now the number two ranked fighter, is upset about this. And here's what he had to say to Brett Akimoto. For them to to come out and say he wants a title shot next, them being McGregor and his team, a rematch with Poi, they're fucking idiots. He's been treated special over and over, and he didn't capitalize on this opportunity. That event was for him. It was for him to win. He wants to be Mr. Humble now, but you know he would have been an asshole had he won the fight. So all this rings true to me. Um, you heard Dana White talking to Habib Nurmagomedov about the potential matchup with McGregor. You didn't hear White talking about a potential matchup with Poye. The idea was that McGregor was going to go in there, beat Poye impressively, and then White was going to cash in on that, not not Habib. Maybe McGregor and White were going to cash in on that. Poye ruined that party, and now now the talk is that Nurmagomedov is staying retired. So if anyone believed that White was making that Poye McGregor fight was for anything other than to put McGregor in a position to fight Nurmagomedov for the title, I don't know what to tell you. You were you're you're gullible. Um, it was clear to anyone else who has been following this sport that White's number one want in that fight was a McGregor win, so he could cash in, and he being White, not McGregor, and not Nurmagomedov. The, this fight was going to be designed for White to cash in on McGregor. So, yeah. And again, McGregor's humble in defeat, so what? We've seen many, many more examples of him being an asshole in victory. And we've also seen him being an asshole after defeat. So let's not act like this is some changed man. It's not. And also realize that he has had a uh, someone that's designed his, his talking points. That's not news either. So Gaethje continued... He's not fighting for a title. I will think about never fighting in the UFC again if he fights for a title. That would be preposterous. He's sitting at number six. He's won one fight in his entire life in the lightweight division. He picks and chooses who he fights. I would love to fight him, but I don't think it should be next. But he ain't going to fight me. All right, so I'll skip what I really want to talk about here for now and get to some other points here. One line fight at lightweight. Mm-hmm. Picks and chooses who he fights. Mm-hmm. Gaethje would love to fight him, but I don't think it should be next. I kind of do think it should be next. Um, We saw Poirier's leg kicks more or less disable McGregor. I would love to see Gaethje's leg kicks and and what what they would do. Because Gaethje doesn't just kick low. Kicks all up and down that leg. And his desire is to stop you with those kicks. And if not stop you slow you down enough that he's going to light you up with his hands. So he is probably 
one of the hardest kickers in pound for pound in MMA. And he doesn't shy away from using them early and often and continuously. And if McGregor wants to show everyone that he's improved from the Poirier fight, that's the fight to make. You throw him in there against Gaethje and see how he handles those leg kicks. And if he can, and if he beats Gaethje, all right, then maybe he is title shot material. But right now, why would you give him a title shot other than money? That's the only reason. The only reason. He got knocked out early. My boy, it's the same reason he doesn't deserve a, he didn't deserve a rematch with Habib. He got trucked. Submitted. Wasn't even close. This one, first round was pretty good. McGregor probably won it, but it's a five-round fight. Didn't go five rounds. No need for a rematch because she did good the first five minutes. But what I really want to talk about here is um, the Gaethje's going to never fight again for the UFC if, if McGregor gets a fight. I think he thinks that sounds good. But what's he going to do? He has no other options. Unless his, unless his contract is expired, which I don't think it is, his option then is to retire. And then when he retires, he's still under contract with the UFC. So even if he retires, he's not really retired. If he wants to come back and fight, he's going to have to fight in the UFC. So while it's not an idle threat, it's a threat that he can't back up because he has no options. So if the UFC has to decide, do we give Conor McGregor a title fight and make a shit ton of money? Or do we cut Justin Gaethje out of the picture and wait for him to have to fight again? It's an easy decision for the UFC. It's McGregor. McGregor all day. Right now, I don't think there is a single fighter, other than maybe Habib, I don't think there's a single fighter that the UFC would 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 bow to. And I don't think they're going to bow to McGregor all that much now either because he's lost some shine with his knockout. The submissions, like I've said before, you can kind of play those off. Well, I'm not a submission guy. I'm not a ground guy. I'm a striker. The knockout, I think he loses. I think he lost a lot of shine. I, I think he lost enough shine that he won't be able to dictate things. I don't think he's lost enough shine that he's not going to still be the highest paid fighter in the UFC because people are still going to tune in. As many as tuned in for the Habib fight, the Poirier fight, probably not because those are two losses in a row. I mean, not in a row. He had that welterweight fight with um, um, a pretty much near the end of his career, Donald Cerrone. And so I don't think the company's going to go crazy and throw him as much money as he got for the Poirier fight, I definitely wouldn't because to me he's, he's for lack of a better term damaged goods, and I know that's not it's a bad choice of words because he's not damaged goods but he's coming off a knockoff lo knockout loss, so that does take some shine off now if he comes out in that in that next fight and um, the numbers are remaining the same, well then you know, you apologize and you give him a little extra bonus because you are wrong. But make him prove it. Make him prove it before you say, okay. But anyway, what I really wanted to say here is that Gaethje or any other fighter can threaten the UFC any way they want. But the UFC is not going to not gonna bow down to them. 
they wouldn't give GSP a fight against Habib because it was going to cost them a ton of money. They're not going to bow down to anyone. Not not with new ownership. Not going to happen. So Gaethje, it's a great idea. Sounds good. Makes a point. 100% makes a point. But as far as empty threats go, the follow-through just leaves him broke. Um, bonuses. I've talked about bonuses a ton. And I don't like them. I think they're arbitrary. There's no rules written down as to what a fighter has to do to get a bonus. Uh, we don't know who picks them. I'm assuming it's Dana White and maybe the matchmakers. But those folks might have biases baked into what they want to see in a fight. We know Dana White likes a, a striking fight. I don't know what the other two guys like. You know, so the biases, not having written rules or documentation on what gets you a bonus, that has always bothered me. And I'm going to assume it bothers Ike Villanueva too, because after his knockout win on Fight Island, this is what he had to say. I went to bed heartbroken like the first time I found out Santa Claus wasn't real. I did everything right. I gave the USC the highest praise. I didn't demand it or anything like that. The fashion I did it in, I thought I had it in the bag. When I found out I didn't get it, I was upset, but just had to shake it off. So, yeah, what I want to get back to here is it's arbitrary. Was his knockout nice? Sure. Should he have gotten a bonus? I don't know, because I don't know what the what a fighter needs to do to get a bonus. I don't. Fighters don't. Fans don't. Media doesn't. No one knows. So again, I hate the bonus pro, pro, pro program. I hate the win show program. If I had to get rid of one of those things, I would get rid of the win show because it gives people more money guaranteed. But I would, if I had my druthers, I would get rid of both of them. I would give fighters guaranteed pay. And it would be the win and show because we know the UFC has it. We know that. And I would take the bonus money roll it into one giant lump sum, sum and use that as a stipend where every fighter on the UFC roster gets the same amount. And when I did this math last time, I think it turned into, I don't know, maybe close to 20 grand a fighter, something like that. And some people will say that that's not fair because of tenure and, and star power and whatnot, but I believe that's the fairest thing you can do is here's money that only a few people would have got and you all get it, you all get the equal share, and you still get your win show or just flat rate money, which I would always prefer flat rate. So this is just extra that you know, 100% guarantee that you're going to get throughout the year, this much money. And I think that makes the fights better, more competitive, because it's going to be for a lot of fighters, probably most fighters that are in this position, it's going to be the difference between full-time fighter and part-time fighter and full-time fighter will always get you a higher quality product than part-time fighter. Why won't this happen? UFC doesn't care if you're a part-time fighter or a full-time fighter. They care that you come to the fight and perform. They don't care what you have to go through outside that fight night. Not one bit. Don't think they do. All they want you to do is show up on fight night, give your best, Go home. That's it. That's all they care about. Because that's all they're paying you for. But meanwhile, you don't get paid for your training. 
your dieting, your fitness, nothing. This, this by doing away with the with the um, bonus program, that would do that would pay on paper for a lot of that. So I feel for Ike Villanueva here, but I've also feel for every fighter who gets gets no no money throughout the year with the idea that this is the design keep the fighters hungry so they have to accept fights even when they hurt injured shouldn't shouldn't fight but that's the ufc design and the only way that's going to get fixed is collective bargaining um i do not like the fact that let me rephrase that i like the fact that the ufc uses ufc fighters on commentary it gives them another means of income who knows the fights better and the fighters better than the people they compete against and so i understand that and i understand why it's done my preference would be no current fighters do it because it becomes a conflict of interest so the company line i think and this is an example i'm not swinging at michael chiesa here or saying that he's in the wrong but i'm pointing out I mean, just using this as an example, there have been more egregious examples of this, and this isn't even really that bad, but it points out the, the lower level of the conflict of interest with a fighter. And that's why I'm using this example. One, because that and because, you know, it just happened. So nothing against Chiesa here or any other current fighter that does this. It's just that I don't like it. That's my preference. And here's why. So I would like it if, if more retired fighters did it because they're, they're going to be biased in a lot of ways, and we see that with with uh, Cormier, and we see that maybe with Bisping, and we've seen fighters that are currently fighting covering their teammates and not mentioning it, which drives me crazy. Um, in 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 all these guys that do that, um, at the very least, they should reveal that they're their teammates. But I prefer if they would step away from the from the mic while their teammate fights. If there's three people in the booth, they don't need to be there. They shouldn't be there. So here's my problem with the conflict of interest. Michael Chiesa was asked about the lightweight division. And he said, if it was up to me, I would go Nate Diaz versus Poirier. And then I'd go Gaethje versus Connor. You're always going to have the Nate Diaz trilogy with Connor. That's going to be there for life. Those fights were in totally separate weight class. So no matter how their careers go, you can make that happen at any point. But you can't guarantee that Connor beats another contender. He has great skills, but this is a very tough division. Don't risk losing the option for this Dustin Poirier, uh, Conor McGregor trilogy. I think you make that one next. And this is the this is why this bothers me, and it's I think it's a conflict of interest because that, and I don't I don't believe that Chies is doing this purposely, but that's the company line, and so when you have a a, a, a commentator and a fighter towing the company line, it gets a little dicey. It gets real dicey because now he's influencing, maybe, maybe influencing thinking. He's at least putting it out there that this is what he would do. And I understand that he got asked this question and answered it. That, and again, nothing against Chiesa here, nothing against any fighter that does this, but it is a conflict of interest. You shouldn't be active and commentating for the organization. You just shouldn't. As the same way, you shouldn't be a member of the media and working for the organization. You just shouldn't. But it happens, and it happens mostly in the UFC, and it, it shouldn't. Um, 
So this is a fighter doing what the UFC wants them to do and saying what the UFC wants them to say. And again, I'm not saying that he was instructed on this. I don't believe he was. I think uh, Michael Chiesa is a stand-up guy. I think Paul Felder is a stand-up guy. And, and so on and so forth. So I don't believe this is happening. But it's the perception. And that's what bothers me. So I don't like this. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm a stickler. But I just wanted to point it out. So GSP was asked about uh, Conor McGregor coming back. And here's what he had to say. He needs to find what he thinks he did wrong in his previous preparation leading up to the fight, whether it's his training regarding his life or whatever, and not making the same mistake twice. It doesn't matter if most people believe it's bullshit. As long as he believes it himself, his confidence will grow from there and he will be able to come back a better Conor McGregor, at least as good as he was. And GSP knows this because GSP has come back from losses. He, he lost them at Sarah and he came back and won. The problem I have with this is Ego. From what I heard from the post-fight remarks from both McGregor and his coach, John Kavanaugh, will their ego allow this to happen? And I don't think it will. I never thought that GSP had an ego. He didn't act like it. The only time he ever really lost his cool was for um, Nick Diaz. And that was kind of understandable because... He, I don't think he understood Nick Diaz. I think if that, that fight happened again, I think he would be uh, a much cooler customer in the interviews and leading up to it. But that happened, and what can you do? But that was the only time I saw GSP even lose his cool. So his ego, I don't think, exists in any you know giant way. And as far as Faraz Sahabi... I, I don't know. If if Faraz has a big ego, which I don't know, he did a good job of keeping it hidden and he did a good job of responding much like St. Pierre does here and that you go back and you fix the mistake. But the mistakes that St. Pierre made were, were probably small, got caught mistakes. It wasn't like he wasn't prepared. He just made a mistake. And in the, in the Sarah fight, he made a mistake that he probably underestimated him. But he was younger then and maybe didn't have his chops. And uh, he corrected it. And from there on, it was, I think, pretty smooth sailing for George St. Pierre. But from what I... The small mistake and the underestimating wasn't what happened in McGregor. McGregor's ego and the ego of his coaches had them not even training for the most popular kick in MMA these days. Not prepared. Not even prepared for that. Which shows me that there's a glaring hole in the games of both of them. And I don't know what the problem is. And I believe it's arrogance. I believe it's ego. And that's why I think the Gaethje fight's the best one for McGregor. Because that's the one that's going to test him if he got ready. If he if he was ready for and trained for that gap in his training. And now he knows he's not, you know, the big wig anymore. He's just the guy, just the fighter. And that's how I think St. Pierre was able to overcome and then sustain his, his domination. He, I believe this, looked at himself as just another fighter. I'm just another man going in there against another man, and I have to be better prepared 
better conditioned and ready for whatever comes at my way. And you didn't have to like his style of fighting, but you do have to acknowledge that's what he did in every fight after that Sarah fight. He was ready. He was better than his opponent. He had trained for his opponent and he had knew what was going to happen. And Nick Diaz said it. He said after the fight that it was like he knew every move Nick was going to make. And that wasn't because of a mole or a leak. That was because Zahabi and St. Pierre trained for Nick Diaz. You're going to tell me that McGregor and Kavanaugh trained for Dustin Poirier? Absolutely not. They didn't. And if they would have, they would have known those kicks were coming. They didn't. They trained for Conor McGregor. And that's what you get. So the ego needs to be checked from the coach and from the fighter. And if that, if that can't be done, I don't think McGregor can improve or McGregor will have to leave and go elsewhere. But I think he needs to be tested because he makes far too much money to get a reset fight. He needs to be tested. And I think that test comes against Justin Gaethje. But also, check your damn ego. Um, Nico Montano was pulled from a fight because she's having problems with post-concussion uh, recovery. And here's what the story says. And I think this was from... I don't know where it's from, so I don't want to be out of line and credit somebody that is wrong. Uh, according to sources, Montano was actually pulled from the upcoming fight by a neurologist as part of her pre-fight medical test required to compete. The UFC's first ever flyweight champion suffered injuries from a car accident after she was rear-ended by another driver. Unfortunately, Montano was still having eye-tracking issues as a result of a lingering concussion from the car accident that prevented her from being cleared to compete. Um, she now has to be silent for an additional 12 weeks from the exam before she's allowed to fight again. Two problems with this. One, she was training while still recovering from a concussion, which is no. Two, she was booked for a fight while still recovering from a concussion. Number one, I don't know who to blame. It's either her or the UFC or a combination of. Number two, as the UFC, I think, um, if she was in a car accident and the UFC knew, then they shouldn't have booked her until she was cleared. And I heard, if I, I might be wrong on this, but this is what I think I remember from a conversation John McCarthy had with Josh Thompson. The reason a fighter doesn't get their medicals sometimes in late until late in the uh, in the game and i'm not saying montano did this but this is what uh mccarthy says can happen and sometimes does happen fighters are already tested by usada for drug testing the minute they sign the the bout sheet they can then also be tested by the commission and if you're training for a fight and you're going to get distracted. Anything outside of training is a distraction. So if you're going to get distracted by a USADA drug test and a Nevada State Athletic Commission drug test or a California State Athletic Commission drug test, well, then you want to probably drag that, that, those distractions out as long as you can. And so you don't sign the sheet, and then you don't get your medicals until the last moment you can, the last moment you're allowed to. And would I do that? Maybe because I don't want to get distracted by my sleep getting bothered by the by them showing up at any time for the drug test and 
there's no reason to do it if you don't have to. So maybe that needs to change with the commissions. So that the, the waiting to get checked might be on Montano, probably on Montano. Um, but I don't like anything about this. So why was she training after the accident until she got cleared? Uh, her team should have had something to do with that. The UFC should have had done something to do with that. Somebody should have said, you were in a car accident and we're not going to let you step into the training program here until you are cleared head to toe. That didn't happen. That did not happen. And now she's going to be uh, lambasted for, for dropping out of another fight when this all could have been avoided had she not been, if had she been medically checked out uh, and not participated in training until she was 100% cleared from this concussion. So again, this points back to the UFC trying to sell everyone on its um, top-notch health and safety. It's not. That's a myth. That's a myth. And it needs to be looked at as a myth. The UFC is not top-notch in health and safety because they don't really give a shit. And this is an example outside of that, outside of that fight night. You won't convince me otherwise until they start doing more and advertising. Sure, sure, they, they're, they're contributing money and, and other things to the uh, Cleveland Clinic's brain study. But so what? That's what they should be doing. They should be studying the long-term and short-term effects on, of head injuries to its fighters. And they should be ensuring these fighters are outside of training for a fight. But they don't. So be careful what you hear from the UFC when it comes to health and safety and, and what the difference is between what you hear and the reality. Because the reality is not that good. The reality is they care about the fighters on fight night and they pay them medical, I'm sorry, injury insurance between when the fight's booked and the fight takes place. That's it. So at best, they care on fight night. They care a little outside there because they're on their insurance. But other than that, you're an independent contractor. You're a disposable product. And they don't give a shit about you unless you can make them a ton of money. So this was an alarming thing to come up with, and I, I don't like it one bit, and I think the blame can be spread around. And again, it points out, that the UFC's safety program isn't really that good at all. And on that note, I'm going to close it out. And I hope everybody has a good day and stay safe.